welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher at MLB.com, joined by Matt Myers, MLB.com National Content Editor. On today's show, we are going to preview the National League. We will be joined by our friend and colleague, Sarah Langs. We're going to go through each of the teams and dig into the over-under win totals as projected by Fangraphs, as we did last week with Anthony Kastrovitz. In the American League, we are going to each pick our uh, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Cy Youngs, who's going to come out of the divisions. It's the National League preview. Spectacular. A brief bit of news before we get started that I just saw. Eloy Jimenez has a serious shoulder injury. He hurt himself uh, jumping towards over sort of the wall in Arizona the other day. This is off the top of my head the third time I think he's injured himself in the outfield. And, you know, we talk a lot about should the NL have a DH. If only the AL had a DH, maybe these problems could be avoided. But enough with my jokes. We're here for the National League. We went through the AL last week. First of all, Sarah, hello. I'm so glad you're here because um, I'm pretty like joyful about a full season. It's been like two years since we've had April baseball. And I don't know anyone who's more joyful about baseball than you are. So thank you for spending some time with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. And yes, I, I will never claim to be the most joyous, but I will say there is a lot of joy. It was very exciting waking up today and we're a week away and we're so close. The countdown is in you know low single digits at this point. Yeah, you, you tweeted a gif of some guy wearing 22 for the Nationals and I, I just couldn't place who that was. It's not somebody <laughs> you ever talk about and uh, certainly nobody that we'll talk about today. Okay, we are going to go through and start with the National League East. We are going to look at Fangraph's projected win totals for 2021, which are available on their site. And Matt and Sarah and I are each going to go through and kind of give our over-unders. And um, I, I'd be interested to know, Matt, if you feel the same way, having done this last week. I found this one a little meatier than last week's. Like the American League, uh, mostly you know, kind of correlated with what I expected. But I, I think some of the ones in the National League, um, there's just a little more to dig into in terms of, you know, do I disagree with these numbers or not? Is that is that how you felt? Yeah, because I also think there's just a lot of, you know, I think there's teams with uh, maybe some wider error bars and um, that kind of leads to some, I think m- m- maybe will lead to some more disagreement, but we'll have to wait and see. All right, well, let's start with the Mets. The Mets are projected, we'll start with the East. The uh, Mets are projected to be a 92-win team. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot, we have talked a lot this winter about the Braves and their projections, and we'll get to them in a second. But the Mets are at 92, and I'm going to I'm gonna start myself here. I'm taking the under on this, and I'm surprising myself a little bit because I've been pretty positive about the Mets offseason. Like, hey, they got Lindor. They, they got a real catcher. These are all very good things. And then I think what took me down a little bit was just the other day, I saw one of the beat writers, maybe Tacoma or somebody else, tweet the Mets opening day starting rotation. And it was DeGrom, Stroman, Walker, Peterson and Joey Lucchese. And I kind of thought to myself, wait a minute, is that good? I'm not sure that's good. Like DeGrom obviously is wonderful. Stroman and Walker seem like A plus people. Just like if you want dudes who represent baseball, like those guys seem wonderful. I don't know that I love either one of them as pitchers. Like Stroman has never missed bats. He's always relied on defense. And aside from Lindor, the Mets infield defense looks bad. So, I, I mean, they're going to be good. They're going to hit. Like, I like the lineup a lot, but I'm I'm under. Uh, I'm 92. Sarah, where are you for the Mets? I'm the same, you know, and for me, a lot of this gets into how I feel about the Braves and we'll get to them in a moment. But I agree about the rotation. And when the Mets made the trade and got Lindor and Carrasco, you know, I think people were appropriately hyping up the fact that, hey, Carrasco is a big part of this deal, yeah. too. And I agreed with that. And obviously, he's going to be out. He has uh, his injuries. So that affects this. But I'm not sure I was totally in on this rotation, even when he was that number two or number three, however you're slotting him in Stroman. I still felt like there's more depth there than they had in the rotation last year. But I still have a lot of questions. And David Peterson, like the Mets seem to love and Mets fans really seem to love He's thrown 49 in the third innings, and there was a pretty big difference between ERA and expected ERA, so there just may be some coming down to earth there. Yeah, I should note before we let Matt jump in, you said that you know part of this was reflected in what you're going to say about the Braves. Uh, last week, I picked over on the entire American League Central, so this is <laughs> this is not a show that needs to you know have the numbers add up or live in any sort Goodness. of reality. Noted uh, Mets enthusiast Matt Myers, 92 wins. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually going to take the under as well. So much for disagreement um, because the outfield defense for me um, and the starting rotation, as you guys mentioned, I still think they're 
they have some you know square pegs at, at certain positions, and uh, it kind of always leads to them feeling like a little less than the sum of their parts. That said, one part of the the, the Mets I'm more bullish on than most people actually is their bullpen, um, because I think people you know notably like Del Matantis and Jerry Familia don't really look like their former selves anymore, but. Um, Edwin Diaz, I think, is really good and was really good last year. But because of that first impression he gave with the Mets two years ago, like, like it seems like a lot of people are just totally down on him. Trevor May is very good. Mikel Castro has dynamite stuff. So in reality, and Seth Lugo is hurt, but it, he seems to be back on track. So in reality, when I look at that bullpen, I see um, Batanzas and, and Familias maybe like five and six in that bullpen, um, where maybe by reputation they're two and three. And I think that could actually, you know, that, that that actually makes me feel a little bit better about the Mets the Mets floor because I do believe in the pen. I'm I'm with you on Miguel Castro by the way. I think he's incredibly underrated. But really, when has any team gone wrong with betting on Edwin Diaz? <laughs> Ever? Okay, three unders, and that takes us to the Braves at 89 wins, which I guess um, this has gone up since when we looked earlier in the winter when it was only at like 83 wins. But I think that's because Fangraphs then mixed Steamer with Zips, and maybe Zips is a little bit higher. So Braves at 89. I mean. I think I'm taking the over because I've sort of talked myself into the opposite of what I thought about them at first. Like I'm kind of into the rotation now. I think the lineup is is pretty good. They have Ozuna back. Um, I don't trust the Mets. Maybe that's it. I don't trust the Mets. I'm over on the Braves, yet with still some considerable concern. Sarah, I think you, I'm guessing you're going to say the same thing. Yeah, I'm definitely over on them as well. I agree. I'm not thinking that this is a 96 win over necessarily, but I do see them getting to 90 plus wins. And I've been, I know we'll get to picks, but obviously this reflects that I am picking them to win the division. I think that their question marks can end up maybe a little bit better. I mean, Mike Soroka is a question mark in this rotation, and that's because he's coming back from injury, but we know he can be really good. And I think I'll take that sort of uncertainty over the Joey Lucchese and David Peterson and so on sort of question marks in a rotation. Matt? Um, I'll take a slight over. And to be clear, I think this is going to be very close between the Mets yes. and the Braves. Yeah. I think that they're, they're, you know, the Braves have some weaknesses too, right? Like I, I believe in the rotation for the, some of the reasons Sarah mentioned. Soroka, doesn't miss bats, but at least the injury was not an arm injury. And I still think that he may be their number three or number four, right? You know, so I think that there's that's that's good kind of depth. My concern with the Braves is really if you look at their lineup, like it's it's f- probably fair to say that, you know, Freeman, Ozuna, and Darno are going to be hard pressed to repeat what they did last year. Um, especially Ozuna and Darno. Um, Freeman has a little bit more of a, a clear track record. And then the lineup kind of falls off a little bit at the bottom. You know, Austin Riley doesn't, you know, strikes out a lot. Christian Pache, who knows? Like, I think there's there's a big there's a there's a chance that the the lineup ends up kind of underachieving. But I I still think I'd give them the edge in sort of a if it's pretty close to the Mets, I'll give them the intangible edge. We are going to move to the Nationals at 83 wins, and I'm going to just cede the floor here to Sarah because I'm sure you have like. 17 minutes of material on Juan Soto, who I think we both agree is amazing. But as a team, Washington, 83 wins. You know, I think I'm going to take the over here. I don't think they're necessarily going to win 90 games, but I do think they have the potential to be a bit of a surprise here. And I think that, you know, we see this as very Mets and Braves top heavy, and it is. And there are question marks. I mean, John Lester is in that rotation. I'm not necessarily relying on him at this point in his career. And Strasburg has obviously a ruptured tendon, which apparently isn't a big deal, which I'm still (laughs) processing uh, because I wouldn't be able to walk. Uh, But, you know, Max Scherzer is there. I'm not expecting expecting him. I mean, he had a good year last year. He struck out a lot of guys. He just wasn't quite Max Scherzer. And I know he's getting older, but I'm expecting at least one more really solid year out of him. And again, as you said, Juan Soto, I guess that I'm picking uh, over slightly, mostly because I'm expecting him to carry this team. But I also think Schwarber and Bell have been, you know, it's spring training, but pretty encouraging in doing, I think, exactly what they were required to do, hitting home runs and not messing up too poorly in their defensive positions so far in spring training. So that gives me some hope, too. I'm so glad you picked the over on them because we, you know, tend to have like similar outlooks on these things. And I didn't want to have like an entire league where we were saying the same thing. And I, I am so under on this. I might pick them in last place, honestly, when I go do my one to five. And I'm, I'm so worried about the depth on this team. And, you know, if they right now, when you look at their rotation, yes, Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin, that's great. I don't think John Lester is very good anymore. And you're already starting the season with what Joe Ross, like, who is who's their depth? Not 
when, not if, but when one of those guys gets hurt. It's like Eric Fetty, Austin both. Okay. And then the infield, I think, could be straight up bad. Like, I like Trey Turner a lot. He's fantastic. But I don't know that Carter Keeboom can handle third base. Like, is Starlin Castro going to play second and third base? Like, I'm outside of Turner and Soto. I'm really worried not only about the lineup, but honestly about the defense. Like, Robles is great. Uh, Soto and Schwarber in the corners. I, I'm so down on this team. I think it could collapse so fast. <laughs> I'm not quite as down as Mike is on them. I'm taking the under. Um, but um, I do think that they're one of the teams that could be most affected by sort of like the innings jump, something that Mike wrote about this year, of just like having to go from, you know, however many, like to go from 60 games to 162 games. And how are you going to fill those those innings? Because the pitching depth is, is not good. Um, and so I'll, I'll take the under on 83 wins for them. All right, and finally the Marlins, and why don't you, excuse me, the Phillies, I forgot about the Phillies. Why don't you start with them, Matt? The Phillies are projected at an even 81 and 81. Um, this is not exactly scientific, but I'm going to take the over, because at some point I feel like, like, I feel like the, the, the Phillies have been like consistently like a little bit below expectations, and I feel like one of these years it's bound to kind of just like bounce back in their favor. Um, and I also think that like um, it, was, it was a shortened season, so it got kind of overlooked, but like Bryce Harper was kind of, Amazing last year, and I think Alex Baum is it Baum or Baum? I always forget. I think I it's, believe it's Baum. Boom. Okay, Baum. Yeah. I like. I mean, the, the the lineup is. I think is 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 pretty solid. You know, bringing back Gregorius. You know, Segura. The bottom lineup can still get some base hits. Like in in the top two of pitching with Nolan and Wheeler. I I'm in on above eighty one wins. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. So I I'm taking the over two, but in the sense that it's like eighty two wins. <laughs> It's not a it's not a hard over. I mean, it's a tough division, obviously. Um, I I agree with a lot of what you said, and I really I really do like Nola and Wheeler Wheeler at the top of that rotation, and Eflin's pretty good. I'm not sold on the bullpen actually being good. Like it couldn't possibly be as bad as last year's disaster, but I'm I'm not entirely sold that they're going to have enough pitching to be more than third in this division. So it's a, it's a soft over. And Sarah, for you, 81 for the Phillies. Honestly, if I could pick on the number, I think yeah. I would. Uh, I don't know if that's allowed. I know we're doing over and under specifically, but I mean, they haven't finished above 500 since 2011, which is the last time they made the playoffs. And, you know, winning 82 games versus 81 is so silly and arbitrary anyway, but I, they've been a consistently right around 500, but not above it team in the last few years. And that's with that awful bullpen. And I agree that it will be better this year, but I'm not 100% sold. I've been sending a lot of notes lately on Alvarado and his velo, you know, and the Phillies really haven't had a guy who does that, who throws really hard in the last few years, but that does not automatically save you those runs in the eighth and ninth inning. So I definitely have some question marks, but I would like to see Bryce Harper have a good year and carry them as best he can, because I think that would just be really good for his career narrative. Last week when we did the American League, uh, Anthony Kastrovitz definitely just did a push on a 500 team saying like that was exactly right. So we're not above cowardly projections um, on this show. Uh, finally, the Marlins, 73 wins, 89 losses, not to be like a super Debbie Downer here, but I'm taking the under. I think the young pitching is like super duper interesting. I'm not sure who's going to hit. They didn't really add like any offense whatsoever. So I think I've referred to them in the past as the most exciting 92 loss team in baseball. <laughs> and I'm sticking with that. Um, Matt Marlins? I will say over just because I think the pitching, that young pitching has this, like, it's one through five. Like, and, you know, you don't want to try and buy too much into spring training, but Trevor Rogers is looking pretty good. And there's there's some reasons to be excited about that rotation. You're right. The, the lineup is probably going to be the maybe the worst lineup in the National League. Um, it's like unclear who the above average hitter in this lineup is. Um, and I say this as the world's biggest Corey Dickerson fan. Um, <laughs> so, um, um, but I will take a, I'll take a, I'll take, I'll take the over. Okay. And Sarah, 73 wins. I, I think I'm taking the under here and I know we're not doing math for it to all exactly add up, but I am thinking of the division here and we don't have the same schedule as we had last year where you pretty much only played your division, but we know they're going to play the Mets and Braves and the Nationals and the Phillies a lot. And I do think each of those teams is substantially better than them to the point where they could end up in this situation where they're just losing a ton of series to those teams and then you end up 
you know, you just don't win that many games. Ultimately, I love the young pitching. I picked Sixto Sanchez for my, uh, I don't even remember if it was my dark horse Cy Young or if he was my rookie of the year pick, but either way, definitely all in there. But Adam Duvall, I like that acquisition, but I'm not sure about the rest of that offense. I'm so glad we don't have the regionalized schedule again last year, as we did last (laughs) year, like done for all the right reasons without question. Uh, But just like since so many of the exciting teams and players are in the West, like what I would give just to see Fernando Tatis Jr. roll into Philadelphia on a Tuesday night. (laughs) All right, that's the East. We will take a quick break and we'll be back to look at the very interesting NL Central. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. And we're back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Petriello, Matt Myers, and Sarah Langs. We are previewing the 2021 National League. We are going to move on to the National League Central, which... I don't know how to describe that division this winter, but they did not exactly have a lot of moves. And I think every different projection system has this as like the weakest division top to bottom, which I think is actually kind of interesting because it gives us a lot to talk about. Now, the Brewers are projected to be the top team by Fangraphs. And by top team, I mean 81 and 81, which I think tells you a little bit about this division. I am taking um, kind of a big over on that because I'm very in on the Brewers. I, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. Their pitching staff is really, really good and interesting. And everybody's like, oh, Josh Hader. And yes, of course, Josh Hader. But also like Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Devin Williams. And there's like a bunch of other guys. Freddie Peralta, they, they always seem to do a good job of creating pitching out of almost nothing. And I think now that they've added Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley and Lorenzo Kane is back, their defense is going to be spectacular. Are they going to hit enough? You can't see me shrugging. I don't know if they're going to hit enough. The division isn't any good. I like a lot about the Brewers. I'm over uh, on 81. Matt, Milwaukee, 81. Yeah, I'm over as well. I think they're. I'm, I'm all in on the defense. I think they're going to be a great run prevention team. And when I look at the Fangraphs projections, that's actually kind of what stands out to me is Fangraphs has them at 4.6 runs allowed per game, tied with the Cardinals, tied with the Braves, and has the Mets, for example, at 4.2 runs against per game, showing that they clearly believe in the Mets' run prevention, as I noted I think the the Brewers are going to be, you know, maybe not quite Dodgers level in uh, run prevention, but I think that I could see them easily being second or third in the National League. Um, and I also think that you know, Yelich and Hira were both just at, they're they're kind of they can't help but be better this year than they were last year. So I actually think there's a little bounce back potential in the offense. It's not it's not going to be a juggernaut of an offense, but I think there's reason to be a little more optimistic than what. 2020 showed. So I'm over on 81 wins. Yeah, I want to be on the record right now too, that we can look back on this, that uh, on August 1st, Trevor Story will be playing shortstop for the Milwaukee Brewers because I can't think of a better fit of player and team. Spicy spicy prediction. You know it. Um, Okay, Matt's over. I'm over. Sarah... I'm going to join join the club. I'm also yes. over on this team. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, first of all, I, I know we had this a couple of years back. You know, I remember the NL West in the mid 2000s, but I just don't think we're going to have a division winner that wins 81 games. And I hope we don't. I mean, I, I hope just for the sport and for everything that we see that we see teams uh, doing better than that, leading their division. But I agree. I mean, I really like the run prevention choices that the Brewers made. And, you know, Matt, uh, Mike, you and I talked about this a lot on the top 
10 shows on MLB Network, but I really think that Yelich, you know, last year is definitely one just to throw out. And he's a guy who we can give that, you know, benefit of the doubt. Nobody had a larger drop in swing rate from 19 to 20 than Christian Yelich. It just wasn't Christian Yelich at the plate. And I'm expecting him to be back to the 18-19 self that he was. And I think that'll help this team a lot. I'm extremely in on that with you. Okay, now the next team is the Cardinals, and every Cardinals fan on the internet, probably the world, is mad that they are not like the easy favorite by 10 games here because they're all like, wait a minute, we traded for Nolan Arenado and the Rockies basically just handed him to us, which, which is all true. I mean, that's a wonderful trade, but they are projected to be 79 wins, and I can imagine there are very few Cardinals fans who are on board with that, and yet... Uh, are we all going to be over on this? Maybe the better question is by how many wins are we all going to be over? But Matt, I assume you are over on 79. Um, I'm, I guess, but I, 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 I'm not sold on this team. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the Bader injury is, is, is significant, um, because their outfield is kind of, you know, it's, there's still a ton of question marks and at the very least he's like an elite defender, um, who, is still probably better than what they have. Um, so again, there's a drop off in that, in that lineup that, um, uh, gives me some pause. You know, Paul Goldschmidt is now like, you know, he's in his mid thirties now. So I'm not like, there's, there's not like a, you know, I'm not so on the offense either. So, um, I'm a lukewarm over, but um, only because of like, you know, Cardinals devil, devil magic. <laughs> you you kind of took the words out of my mouth because um, I'm only over because I think 79 is too low. And I'm I'm very deeply concerned about this team. Like Bader's hurt. So I don't know that they have a single outfielder I trust. And they've had some rotation injuries, although I do think Jack Flaherty will bounce back and be spectacular. And you probably both already saw me tweet this today. But at what point do you worry about Matt Carpenter having one hit yes. in 40 plate appearances. One, one hit and 40 plate appearances. Now, normally you'd say, oh, spring training, uh, who cares? And maybe for other players, I wouldn't care. But also he's 35 and he's been terrible for the last two years. And I'm starting to wonder, is is he just toast? And if so, is there are there more than two guys in the lineup, Goldschmidt and Arenado, who I actually trust? Because I'm, I'm starting to think the answer to that is no. Like this could be a dreadfully bad offense. Um, not to mention, we don't know what Arenado's shoulder is going to be, if that's going to be a thing that sticks around. So I'm over, but I'm over to the extent that it's like, this is a 500 team to me. Sarah? Yeah, I agree with that. I have over, but in the low 80s. And it's funny you mentioned the Carpenter. I saw your tweet. I was watching the game where he got the hit and they were talking about how he was whatever at that point it was like over 20 something. And you know, it's okay. It's spring training. And I was hearing that in the moment. And, you know, we know how broadcasters have to support those teams and everything else. But I was just thinking, I don't know if I'm buying that even the moment. And that was at like 0 for 25 or something like that. And then I think he hit a double for his first and to this point only hit of the spring. But I'm really out on this rotation. I mean, completely agree on the Flaherty bounce back. But Michaelis, I think, got hurt again in spring training recently. And we still don't know if he's really that guy that he was in that first triumphant year coming back from the KBO. Adam Wainwright is old reliable for sure, but he is old and you know, you just can't look past that. I, I just, he had some very exciting starts last year talking with our beat writer, Annie Rogers, some fun things that nobody had done at his age in a really long time or for the Cardinals, but I'm just not sure that you want to be relying on that. And beyond that, I mean, Carlos Martinez is listed in the rotation again. This has been such a back and forth. I miss the days of Carlos Martinez being their ace and just being so excited for that. But I just have so many questions about it at this point. Matt, plug your ears. Um, it's okay to call Adam Wainwright old because he's three weeks older than I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that doesn't apply to Matt. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I I couldn't find one thing you just said there that I disagree with. I think a lot of people are getting hyped up on most of the division went backwards and they went out and got like a true superstar. Why aren't we in love with them? And as I've, I've said a couple times, they weren't like one Arenado away from being good, you know, and they lost Colton Wong. So it sounds like we are all kind of on the same page there, which means we're all set up for disappointment. When they hey, now watch them, now watch them. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Here's, here's an interesting one. The Cubs, which if you were to ask a hundred baseball fans, which team actually won the NL Central last year? How many of them do you think 
would know it was the Cubs. Because, I mean, that seems like a billion years ago. Um, but also, you know, the Cubs didn't have a great winter. I guess they did, depending on what their goals were. But, you know, they are a worse off team. And um, I'm optimistic about some back, some bounce backs from like Baez will be better. I think I think Bryant will be fine. Uh, I like Jock Peterson. But I'm still somehow taking the under on 78 wins. And I don't know how confident or comfortable I feel in that. But I'm, I'm deeply terrified of the non- Kyle Hendricks starting rotation. I, I think that's where I am. Um, Sarah, are you on 78? I, I can't believe I'm saying under on that. And yet here we are. I've been picking the Cubs to underperform since the year after they won the World Series. And I think I'm going to have to continue that. And, you know, I want them to be great for our friend Book Shambi and for David Ross and for everybody involved with this team. But I like Zach Davies. I like that addition, but I'm just not sure that that's enough behind Hendricks. And I have so many concerns about Craig Kimbrell at this point. I know that in his last like three spring training outings, he's now looked better, but he didn't look good to start. And he basically hasn't looked good since that 2018 World Series with the Red Sox. And that just gives me a lot of concern. And, you know, I agree. I mean, I think that Wilson Contreras is a guy that I've been wanting to see a little bit more of a breakout from. And I don't know if he's at the point where we're just not going to see it. But he had so much promise coming up. He was this offensive catcher and really great for that team for a bit. But he hasn't quite blossomed to, to like what comes next there. So I'm just not so sure. And I agree, you know, Rizzo is going to be good. I think Bryant will be fine for sure. But and uh, same with Javi Baez. But they just don't feel too noticeably different from some of these other Cubs teams that even if they won the division last year and anything else have overall, I think, underperformed relative to what people would have expected of them. Uh, Matt? I'm gonna I'm gonna be the contrarian here and go over because um, they 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 did manage. I know they I know they don't have you Darvish anymore, so I will preface all of this by saying that because he he was obviously very good last year and a big part of the reason they won the division. Um, that said, they won the division, getting the absolute worst possible performance you could imagine from Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. So there's like you know there's a lot to be gained right there just by them being even like. 40% of their peak, you know, as opposed to like 10% of their peak, which they both were last year. So um, I'm going to um, to take to take the uh, the slide over. Frankly, I'm just glad that one of us disagreed with the other two <laughs> because we're, we're sort of on the same page. All right. The Reds are also in um, at 78 wins. Sarah, where are you on Cincinnati? I, I think – I'll go slight over here. You know, this is another one where I feel like it's probably right about on the nose, but I think we forget how bad that offense was last year. And I know that there were down years and Eugenio Suarez had a huge drop off, obviously from 19 to 20, but I'm just not sure that I see the best case scenario for that offense really being enough. I I like Sonny Gray. I really like Luis Castillo. But I love the energy Amir Garrett has brought to becoming the closer and deciding that he's going to be the closer for that team. But I don't know. I look up and down this roster and I think I just see too many question marks. I'm disagreeing. I'm taking the over on the Reds. Um, I really like the uh, the uh, Suarez gambit, trying him at shortstop. I think it's exactly the kind of thing a team like this should do. Take a little chance. I think that there's way more upside than downside to that for them. Um, and... Um, in this division with so much kind of uncertainty, I think that they're 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 a little bit not. I don't know if it's like sleepers the right word, but I think that they're going to be better than people think. Um, Wait, sorry, sorry, you said over too, right? Slide over. I did, but I said yeah. a very negative over. Oh, oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm being more forceful. Yes. I'm being more forceful. I'm, I'm I think there's there's reason to be. They're, they're a team that I'm I'm really interested in, and I I'm uh, I I uh, think that they could stand out, and I would not be surprised if they won this division. How about that? No, I, I'm with you both. I think people don't realize what an amazing pitching turnaround this team has had. It was like, what, 17 or 18? I can't remember where they had like the worst pitching in baseball history. And then over the last two seasons, they've led the National League in strikeout rate. Yeah, part of that was Trevor Bauer, although he wasn't very good in 19. Um, but I, I just think a lot of it is like they hired a whole new pitching staff and new pitching coach. And they've become one of those places where it's like if a pitcher goes there, despite that hitter friendly ballpark, I kind of have confidence that they're going to get the best version of that guy, right? So I, I love Castillo and Gray, as Sarah said. I'm kind of in on, on Tyler Molly having like a, a bit of a breakout here. Um, I think the bullpen could be good. And also sort of like you said, Sarah, the offense can't possibly be this bad again. Like it can't be because I mean, there's no reason for 
you know, Castellanos uh, to be that terrible, right? And like, you know, Suarez should be better. And I just, I think they'll be better because they absolutely have to be. So I, I'm with you on the slate over. Um, now we have the Pirates at 66 wins. So that's 96 losses. You could have told me 125 losses. It, like the number would not have mattered and I would have said under. So I like Cabrian Hayes, end of Pirates blurb. I'm under for me. Someone disagree with me, Matt. Um, I think I'll say over mostly because there's not standout team. This is like different than the the NL West, right? Where there's not going to be you're going to you have, where you've got 38 games against the um uh you know the Rockies. Like we'll get to the Rockies, but like the Rockies are going to 38 games against the Dodgers and Padres, right? And like that's going to be a really tough sledding for them. Whereas like there's no team here where the Padres, the Pirates rather would go in and be like, oh, you know, we're, we're going to go, you know three and 15 against them or whatever. So I think that like, because there's not a juggernaut in this division, it will allow them to go over. I realize that's sort of like a backhanded, uh, I don't know, that's, a, that's faint praise, I guess. But um, that's 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 basically my reasoning. You're, you are over on all five central teams. <laughs> Which- Again, you know, there's, it's, first of all, it's, uh, they play the other divisions this year, so it's possible. Also, if, like, everyone, if, if I'm over on everyone by like one game, you know, you only have to make up five, yeah. five games elsewhere. Yeah, we're not we're not into like confidence intervals uh, of over and under. Sarah, do you have pirates thoughts that aren't about Cabrini's? Hayes? Um, not really sure that I do. I mean, you know, I I hope for them that there's a Brian Reynolds bounce back. I think he was a guy who doesn't quite have enough of a track record for me to just throw out 2020, but I do think he will be better than he was in 2020, a little closer to 2019. But any pirates thought is just about Cabrini's. Hayes. So wait, where did we end up there? Over or under? Oh, I didn't say, actually. I'm going to go under. I I like the reasoning that Matt just said, and I do think that it's very likely they win like 67 just because the division is not so great. But it it just one of the worst teams. I feel like I have to go under. Uh, Yes. Well, I thought you were going to end that sentence with like, of my entire life <laughs> it's uh it's not gonna be great and that'll do it for the nl central we will take a brief break and come back and look at the national league west this past year has shown us that without your health you have nothing if you're not well you can't work look after yourself or take care of your family you can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build that's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. And we're back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Petriello, Matt Myers, Sarah Langs. We're going to preview the National League West. There are two pretty fascinating teams at the top and then uh, some, I guess, a trio at various stages of attempting to be competitive. So the Dodgers here are projected by Fangraphs at 98 wins, which is obviously the best projection in baseball. It's really good. Projection systems are by their nature conservative. Like they won't go out and give you a 110, a 115 most of the time. I'm going to do that. I'm going to say 98 is wildly too low for the Dodgers. I'm going to go over like a heavy over if we're having different varieties of over. I think this team is not only the best team in baseball, they are going to be one of the best teams we've seen. I don't know. Maybe ever. Like, why should we think that anything is different? This team has been good for almost a decade now. And regardless of what you think about Trevor Bauer, they added the defending National League Cy Young Award winner. This team is going to be insanely, amazingly good. The only thing that stops me from saying they're going to win 135 games is that the Padres are also going to be very good. But I will say over 98 on the Dodgers. Matt, Dodgers. Yeah, I'm going to say the over. Um, It's the boring thing to say, but it's just, it's really um, a very, very, Deep, well-rounded roster. I mean, I don't even, you know, really believe in David Price anymore, but he's like their number five starter. Um, and then, you know, they still have 
Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May waiting in the wings. So it's just like this team is it's it's very good. There's not really much more to, to say beyond that. <laughs> oh, they're historically great. How boring. <laughs> All right, over, Sarah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the only question mark I see is maybe Kenley Jansen, but they also have so many other good guys in that bullpen who could close if they need them to, if there were to be a point where Jansen is not getting the job done. But also, I think they're going to win a lot of games by a lot more than three runs. And Kenley Jansen's job is not going to be of the utmost importance until they get to October. But I don't see why they won't continue to be at this level they've been at and be better. Um, is it possible for us to say over on the Dodgers at 98 and also over on the Padres at 95, uh, Sarah? I think so. I mean, that's certainly what I'm saying. And again, I'm not doing the full math in my head and we haven't had, I don't think we've had two division winner or two teams in the same division with a hundred wins, but we've certainly had some 98 plus, you know, the 2015 NL central, we had 97, 98, and then a hundred something with the Cubs and the pirates and the Cardinals. And that was obviously in a different sort of wild card setup, everything else, you know, the pirates had to, deal with Jake Arrieta the year after they dealt with Madison Baumgartner. So that was unfortunate for them. But my point is we've seen teams do this in the same division. And I don't see why that won't happen again. The Padres are really good. It seems like Tatis's injury is going to be fine. Denilson Lamette looked really good. Was that yesterday or the day before? It just feels like everything is going to come together for this team the way we saw the beginnings of it last year. Matt? I'm actually going to go under a 95 wins. Um, just, I, I have some doubts about the, the bottom of the lineup. Um, you know, you, obviously the, the Tatis Machado, um, duo is, you know, about as good as any duo in baseball. But then after that, like I look at the rest of the lineup and I'm just sort of like, everyone kind of gives me some pause. Eric Hosmer, Tommy Pham, Will Myers was great last year, but like, I, I'm just, Jake Cronenworth was great for a month and terrible for a month. So it's just, um, uh, there, there. For me, there are some concerns with the non-Tatis Machado portion of that lineup, and I also have concerns about Blake Snell being used in a quote-unquote more conventional way. Someone I've always been a little lukewarm on, um, and um, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see how he performs, like no longer under the like rigid sort of pitch management of the um, of the Rays. I still think they're going to make the wild card, to be clear. Um, I just don't think they're going to win 95 games. We do not have Tommy Pham slander on this show. No, this is a, <laughs> this is a, um, before we move on to the Giants, I, just because someone just tweeted this at me and I, I thought it was funny and I very quickly tried to confirm it while you guys are talking and I think it's true. Um, Travis White uh, tweeted at me saying, the Cardinals are about to trot out an outfield with fewer combined career plate appearances than Adam Wainwright. <laughs> and I thought that was wild. And I think it's true. So Adam Wainwright in the regular season has 772 career plate appearances. The trio of Dylan Carlson, Justin Williams, and Tyler O'Neill has 576 career plate appearances, <laughs> which is just the the weirdest thing. And I I love that someone tweeted that at me. And I love that it's true. <laughs> That's amazing. It's like the Cardinals fans' ears were burning, right, with us yeah. talking about them. It's, uh, uh, I guess, a NL West non-sequitur. All right, so we've got the two big boys there. Uh, now we can move on to the Giants uh, at 77. Sarah, I feel like you, you also think the Giants are somewhat interesting, as I do, but does that mean they're good? I do think they're interesting. I think they're very interesting. I like what they've done in terms of acquisitions. I think that there are a lot of really interesting guys when you look up and down the bullpen and starters, everything else. Donovan Solano, I mean, I guess he did this for two years now, so I guess we have to believe that he will have another good year, but I'm just not sure. Mauricio Dubon in center field. We have Mike Yastrzemski, who I am expecting to be very good. 77 feels rightish. I mean, I'll be optimistic for my mother because she's a very negative Giants fan. I'll take a slight over, just like a 78. But I think that in this like low mid 70s area is about where they'll be. I'm sort of with you. I said over, but yeah, if I could have just taken a yes. I would have <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, they're, they're one of those teams, and I know I've said this before, they're, they will be improved in a lot of ways that probably just won't find their way onto the scoreboard. You know, like their, their, their staff has been great. Like they're helping guys improve. Guys go there and get better. And 
you know, they're improving the depth of the organization. They're still going to get rolled because the Dodgers and Padres are amazing. Uh, but you can see this team like finally turning the corner and in another year or two, potentially being back up there. Matt, Giants? I think under. Um, it's a weird team because it does seem like they're building something. And then you look at their lineup and it's like everyone's in their 30s. Um, <laughs> yes. and, yeah. and so I think I'm just... Um, Maybe it's just more of just like a lack of enthusiasm, just because they're because of that reason. It's still they're still kind of playing the veterans, which probably gives them a reasonable floor. But um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the the under because when you have that many guys on the wrong side of thirty, there's just real kind of disaster potential. Fair enough. Um, the Diamondbacks are projected at seventy three wins, and who among us doesn't wish we'd recorded this a week ago before we found out that Zach Gallen, who is their ace and one of the most underrated pitchers in the game, fractured his, what are we calling it? His forearm, uh, one of the bones in that area. A hairline fracture of something. Yeah. Yeah. In his throwing arm. Right. Yeah. Um, While practicing hitting. Not great. Zach Gallen. um, It it was also not great that when that, that was announced, like that's what it was. The reaction from Diamondbacks camp was almost like a sigh of relief that this could have been much worse than that. Cause like he can still throw and he might not be out for that long, but still this was a team that I found most interesting. Cause I think their starting pitching is really cool, right? Like I like Luke Weaver a lot. Uh, I liked Caleb Smith when he was healthy with the Marlins a lot. Madison Bumgarner has shown signs of life. Let's say, I think the offense is really bad, right? So if they're not going to pitch, uh, I'm under on 73, not by a lot. This isn't a hundred loss team, but under to like, the extent there'll be a 92 loss team uh matt arizona i'm very torn on the d-backs because i somehow ended up with three d-backs on my fantasy baseball team so <laughs> i sort of like for now personally invested in their success um prior to the gallon injury i think i would have said over on 73 um and i would have you know had them ahead of the giants now i think uh yeah i'm um, yeah, I'll, I'm, yeah. I'm going to give them a, I'm going to give them an over just because I, you know, because I think the Giants have some downside and, the, you know, the Rockies are also there. So they'll get a lot of games against those two teams. So I'll give I'll give a I'll give a slight over on 73 for the uh, for the D-back. I'm not sure I've heard a more accurate descriptor of the 2021 Colorado baseball season than the Rockies are also there, <laughs> but they will have their moment in the sun in a second. Sarah uh, over under on Arizona. I'm going to go under here as well, and I agree. I don't think they're going to lose a ton more games than 89, but looking at the other teams in their division, obviously with the Dodgers and Padres and question marks with the pitching, we'll see with Gallon. I mean, as you said, that was a sigh of relief, but I still didn't really have a great understanding of when that means he might pitch again. And of course, throwing arms. So we just don't know what the effect might be, even if it isn't a you know ligament injury or something else that we know would affect pitching. I really like Christian Walker, so I hope that he has his customary couple of home runs off of Clayton Kershaw just because he owns him, and it's one of those really fun stats. But beyond that, I mean, is Drupal Cabrera homered for them in a spring game yesterday? And I was like, is Drupal Cabrera is there? And I, I think I would know where Drupal Cabrera is, and I didn't, and it was very surprising. So that tells me a lot. And yeah, he's not going to start for them necessarily, but he's pretty much second on the depth chart at pretty much every infield position, which tells you a lot about the 2021 Diamondbacks. Wait, is that not as Trouble Cabrera's son? Like how now <laughs> I'm starting to like the, the guys I grew up watching, their kids are all playing now? Like that's I mean, actually the – That would make more sense. Okay. Trouble Cabrera is one of those – you know, usually when guys break in at like 20, they're, super, they're future like superstars. He's like one of the rare guys who broke in at a really young age who just turned out to be like a good major leaguer, you know? So it's just like it's a weird thing that he's been around forever. Um but it's still, I mean, he's, I mean, he's in his 30s, but he's like not, he, in some ways, he's not as old, I think, as a lot of people think he is. You, you know who I think you just described uh, in the next iteration of that is Starlin Castro. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes, that's who I was thinking. Because <laughs> he broke in, he was 20 when he broke in, right? And he like, his first couple years with the Cubs, he seemed like he'd be kind of a big deal. And now he's just sort of settled into like, he's fine, but he's been around for, what, this is his 11th year coming up, I think. Um and no, last year was his eleventh year. This will be his twelfth year, yeah, and he, he just turned thirty-one yesterday. Yeah, he was in like he was like on a, on a like not just like I you don't want to say on pace for three thousand hits, but like he had like through age twenty-five, he was like fourth in career hits or something. It was like crazy because he was just like a guy who didn't walk. He hit, you know, he played every day, and he hit like two ninety. So it was just like he was he was getting like one hundred ninety hits a year starting at age twenty-one. He's obviously fallen off that pace, and he's not going to get to three thousand hits, but. He, um, he seemed like someone that could make a run at it for a while. 
All right, let's finish off our teams here. Uh, the Rockies projected at 67 and 95. I almost feel like it's unfair to look at wins and losses because this this team is going to plunge in the depths of ennui that we have rarely seen in this sport. Un- like under, 140 losses, I would have said under because I don't think they're very good to start. Kyle Freeland has hurt his shoulder. They will probably trade Story and they'll probably trade John Gray or, or maybe even worse, they won't. So that's, I guess, another issue entirely. Um, extremely under. And not only that, and this, this is not related to them specifically, but they have to play the Dodgers and the Padres almost 40 times. Like that is just a brutal stretch um, for a team that is, I don't know what direction they're going in. So under, big, big time under. Um, Matt, I don't, we, we never talk about the Rockies on the show. So. <laughs> well, I alluded to this with the Pirates, right? Where I, The reason why I think that the Pirates are in a slightly, you know, we, you know, Fangraphs has the Pirates at 66 wins, the Rockies at 67. And uh, I think the, because the Rockies are going to have to play the Dodgers and Padres so much, that is going to to bring them down. So um, I'm going to take the under on the Rockies on 67 wins. Sarah? Yeah, absolutely on the under as well. I, I will say CJ Crone is on them right now, and I'm very excited to see him hit his customary like 110 mile an hour home runs, especially at, in cores. You know, he was a lot of fun with his Statcast metrics specifically, like two years ago, I guess in 2019. So that is my bright spot, other than Trevor Story on this team. But no, I'm not expecting them to win very many games at all. I'm with you, by the way, on uh, on CJ Crone, who I like very much. And I, I've always been a huge fan of Herman Marquez, who doesn't get enough credit, I think. And I would I would just like to see Brendan Rodgers get 500 plate appearances just once to see if he's that guy or not. And I just don't know if they'll ever do it. So um, I'm with you on that. All right. We went through all of our 30 teams. Let's move on to, excuse me, 15 teams. Let's move on to um, awards. So we're going to do MVP, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, and Sarah, I know you weren't with us last week when we did this with with Anthony for the American League, but I was struck by how differently I approached the MVP conversation because last week I ended up with Mike Trout, but not as excitedly as I usually do. You know, I didn't feel like I had a ton of other great options. Now I'm looking at the National League and it's like, okay, the great young trio of Tatis and Soto and Acuna. Oh, right. Mookie Betts is there. Oh, oh right. Yelich and Bellinger. Hey, Francisco Lindor plays in the National League now. Like there's just... An endless run of guys. This this was incredibly difficult for me to pick. Um, I I have a guess as to where Sarah went for for MVP. <laughs> so I'm going to jump ahead of you and say I picked Juan Soto for MVP. <laughs> um, here's the reason I did that. I think given a full season of of Tatis and Soto, Tatis will probably do better in like wins above replacement. But I he's already banged up a little bit. I the one thing we haven't seen from him is durability. Like I haven't seen him play even like four or five months yet. So I'm going to guess he will miss some time until proven otherwise. If Soto has this like truly unbelievable hits 390 year, which I think he's got in him. I think even with the rest of those guys, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to not vote for him, especially because some of those guys are stacked on the same team, right? Like the bets and Bellinger take some time, uh, some votes away from each other to Freeman and Acuna. Um, I, it, this one was so hard for me, but I'm going to go with Soto and I'm going to feel pretty good about it. Sarah. Yeah, I, I'm going with Soto, as you guessed, as you alluded to, but it was difficult. I mean, I also think Ronald Acuna Jr. deserves a lot of discussion in this, and it just shows how great this young crop of players is, especially in the National League right now. But of course, you can add in Mookie Betts, who isn't quite in the same age group, but I am expecting him to win an MVP in the next few years. I keep saying he's going to join that list with Frank Robinson of guys to win MVP in both leagues, but this feels like Soto's year, and I think this is the year that he fully starts getting the Barry Bonds, Mike Trout treatment in terms of exactly how he's pitched to. And it's pretty much been happening since he got to the majors, but I think it'll be on a much bigger stage. And when you have a guy who's basically getting walked or hitting a home run, I mean, that that's my MVP. I came into this when I started to do my picks. I was like, you know, Sarah's definitely going to pick Soto. <laughs> Mike is probably going to pick Soto. So <laughs> we're predictable. I, I, I can't pick Soto. Also, there's the fact that, you know, I already had the – I can't. I can't remember what I said. I, 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 whatever the Nets. I can't remember what I said for the Nets, but I'm not expecting them to be a playoff team. You said under. You said under, under, under 83. Under. Yeah. So I, I think you know the narrative still carries a lot of weight when it comes to awards, and I'm for that reason. I think we're going to see a 30-30 season from Ronald Acuna Jr. And I think he will emerge as the best player on the Braves this year. And uh, we'll win the National League. I, I could not possibly argue with anything you just said. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. like Acuna, <laughs> also great. Um, how about Cy Young, uh, Matt? Since you were going, why don't you keep going? 
Um, I, I'm a little bit of narrative here. I always think new players on new teams often carries weight um, when it comes to Cy Young. Uh, so my pick is going to be you, Darvish. Oh, that one's interesting. It's I love you, Darvish, and yet I didn't consider him that strongly for this. And now maybe I'm regretting it. Sarah, who did you? Have? <laughs> you know, I have two minds here. The person who wants to be right would pick Jacob Degrom, but the person who wants to see something happen is going with Walker Bueller. And I think I've been sort of making this as. I don't know if he's even a dark horse at this point, but he's sort of been in the back of my mind as this quasi dark horse pick for the last few years. And he hasn't quite fully gotten to what I am expecting from him, but I really think this is the year he becomes completely fully the Dodgers ace. I think he already is, but I think he will completely get into that role and I'm just expecting big things. And, you know, maybe there's a possibility of splitting some votes if Bauer has another good year, but I I would love to see Walker Bueller win that and I'll say young. I love that one, by the way. Uh, I think I think Bueller has always like had those flashes where he looks unbelievable, like last year in the postseason. And I think he could definitely put it together. I I did go with Degrom though, and I'm a little hesitant about picking the guy who's already won it a couple of times. But I started looking at the other competitors in the National League, right? And I don't trust Lamette to stay healthy all year long, and I you know I don't I don't trust Bauer to repeat what he did last year. And I started looking up and down the list and it's like, okay, like I like Corbin Burns. I, I guess maybe I should have put more thought into Darvish, but Tagram is like throwing harder than he did before, <laughs> which doesn't seem possible. And every year you're like, he couldn't possibly. Oh, oh, he, he is. He is doing it again. And one of these years, it just feels like it's going to explode and end terribly. But, you know, nothing he did last year was out of the ordinary. And it's hard for me not to say he's going to do it again. So uh, I went with DeGrom. I'm glad we had three different picks there. Bueller for Sarah, you Darvish for Matt. Rookie of the year was a real tough one. Um, and that's a tough one for a good reason, because there's lots of incredible rookies. Sarah, who do you have for your rookie of the year? There are a lot of great rookies. I agree with that. But to me, National League is easier than American League. I, I'm going with Q. Brian Hayes. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I wrote about him back in December, and I've definitely been on this kick of just really trying to promote him best I can. And my favorite stat from that was that no qualified hitter had a hard hit rate as high as his and a whiff rate as low as his. He only had, you know, played in 25 games. He had 95 plate appearances. But if he'd done that as a qualified hitter, the two guys closest on the list were Trout and Freeman. So MVP and former MVP. I I think he's going to just completely blossom for this team. He's been really fun in spring training and he's getting, you know, the coverage where I think that this will be the bright spot for the Pirates. Yeah, I I had a good guess that you were going to go there. And (laughs) I've read that article you wrote and it, it was great. Like, I'm totally sold on him. I didn't pick him. Partially because like the glove is for real, no doubt about that. And I think he's a good hitter, but he did have like a 450 bad average on balls yes. in play last year. He was, he's not going to hit quite as well. And I I don't know if anyone's going to notice what he does after like May 15th, you know, because yeah. he's not on a good team. So um, I went with Ian Anderson and I, I have not generally been the high man on Ian Anderson because, you know, what he did last year was great, obviously, but he, he can't possibly do it again. But when I looked into it closer, you know, I don't think he'll have a 195 ERA, certainly. But uh, the underlying metrics are all really impressive. And the reports out of spring training are pretty good. And he could potentially be the best pitcher on a good Braves pitching staff. Like, you know, Soroka is going to miss some time. And Morton's 38. And I like Max Fried a lot. But uh, somehow he uh, lowered his ERA while also getting worse at strikeouts and walks and homers, which is like a weird trick to pull off. So if Ian Anderson has a good year and he's the best pitcher on a division winning team. That's, that's pretty easy for me, I think. So Ian Anderson for me, Matt, Uh, I'm going to go with Hayes. uh, And I think, you know, the, the batting on average, batting average on balls in play versus the like hard hit rate. It's a really interesting uh, juxtaposition of like, okay, where does the truth lie? But even if the, the, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, um, it's still a very good player because yes, he did have a 450 batting average on balls in play, but he hit 376, 442, 682. So even if it's like, you know, even if that's like 350 and he's hitting like, you know, 290, 370, 500 for a rookie, that's amazing. Also, I think the fact that he will probably be the best player, even if it's on one of the worst teams, just whenever a rookie is the best player on a team, that stands out on its own. Um, so uh, I am, uh, I'm going to go with, with Hayes for a key year. All right. That's, uh, that's all fair. So, 
We uh, last week on the AL version of the show, we each picked our surprise team and our disappointing team. You could probably guess from the three of us if you listened through all the picks so far. I'm just going to do both of mine together because they are very much connected. My surprise team is going to be the Brewers. I think the Brewers are going to surprise a lot of people because the pitching and defense is so good and Yelich is going to hit like an MVP. And my disappointing team is unsurprisingly the Cardinals because I don't like their lineup or their pitching. And that's most of a baseball team right there. So for me, Brewers and Cardinals. Uh, Sarah, who are your surprise and disappointing teams? I mean, I don't know if this is too much of a cop-out, but my surprise, I think, is the Braves, just because I think that the combination of projections and even just narrative around them does seem to be underrating them. And we discussed, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting them to win 99 games, but I do think they'll be better in that projection. And I think they'll be a solid, good division winner. And that doesn't seem to be what the prevailing consensus is on them. So I don't know if that's too good of a team to pick as a surprise, but that that's who I had uh, in mind. And my disappointment I wrote down also was the Cardinals uh, for the same reasons. I'm just not not sold across the board. Matt? Uh, my surprise team is the Reds. Uh, Ooh, I, just, I, think, I think they're going to compete for, for that division um, for kind of the reasons I spoke about earlier. I love the Suarez moving short, assuming that sticks. Um, I, and the pitching... They they've they've figured out a way to kind of, you know, as you said, get the most out of their pitchers. And I think the bullpen is is very good. I'm not even expecting big things from Sean Doolittle, but in some ways I think if he's kind of the capital C closer, that almost won't matter because he'll he'll often be put in situations that are lower leverage than what you're seeing from Amir Garrett, Lucas Sims, and maybe even TJ Antone. So um I'm in on the Reds. I'm I think, and I hate to say this. But I think my disappointing team is kind of the Padres, and I say this as a team that I, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I just I think that there's a belief that they're going to go toe to toe with the Dodgers, and that's why I think people are going to be a little disappointed. So that 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 I'm hoping to, to be clear, my my heart hopes that we have this amazing race for two teams that are like battling with like 105 wins to win the division because that would be a lot of fun. Um, but I think it's more likely that they make the playoffs but still finish like 10 games behind the Dodgers. So Matt hates one of the most exciting and interesting teams in baseball. It's, it's good to know there. <laughs> um, I kind of disagree with you on the Padres a little bit. Like, not specifically anything you said. I just, I love their depth. You know, like they they can just pull up pitchers out of nowhere. Like, here's Morahone, and here's Gore, and here, here's Ryan Weathers. And I agree with you that they've had some injuries and stuff, but um, I think I think they're going to be there. But maybe they'll finish 10 games out while winning 102 games. <laughs> maybe that's oh the right way. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, finish this off. We'll each kind of pick our playoff teams here. Um, I'm going East, Central, West. Braves, Brewers, Dodgers, Padres, and Mets will be my wild card teams. Um, imagine a Blake Snell, Jacob DeGrom, one game wild card. I wonder if Blake Snell will get lifted after two times through. Sorry, guessing. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers are clearly coming out of this. Um, so for me, Braves, Brewers, Dodgers, Padres, Mets. Sarah? I mean, I wish I could I, I could screenshot you this Google Doc where I wrote this down last night. I wrote down the exact same order. I have Braves, Brewers, Dodgers, <laughs> Padres, Mets, and then Dodgers. Oh, no. So I am not just copying for the sake of agreement or anything else. But, you know, everything we talked about, I think that who we were picking for those division winners was pretty clear. I do like the Brewers in the Central. That's the one that I think is the question mark. And again, the Braves, uh, despite most projections, having the Mets there. And I had the Padres as the first wild card. I had the Mets as the second and I had the Dodgers winning the NL again and I have them winning the World Series if we're picking a World Series one or two. Matt, please please tell me you got something different. <laughs> I have one difference oh, thank God. <laughs> which is the Reds winning winning oh, the God. NL Central. <laughs> but everything everything else I basically the same. Well, let me ask you a question for you guys though because I think that the, the Mets Braves discussion is an interesting one. You know, at, at a certain, you know, Mike we talked about this a few episodes ago where it's like you know, we're not judging. Yes, I know that you, you said this a lot. Like, yes, the Braves have won, have won whatever, how many straight divisions. But like, we don't care about last year's Braves. But to a certain extent, that affects your thinking because like the Mets always seem to kind of underachieve a little bit. And it's hard not to hold that against them. And the Braves always seem to overachieve a little bit. And it's hard not to give them credit for that. But let me ask you this hypothetical situation in which um, the Mets, Carrasco is healthy and Seth Lugo is healthy right now. Is your project, is your, is your pick still the same? Um, yeah, I, I would, yeah, tie, right? I would say tie. I, you know, the fact that Carrasco is not healthy is not the most surprising thing in the world because he's had his issues before. But yeah, it, it, it kind of exacerbates the rotation depth problem. I think they probably 
already had. A lot of this comes down to really what type of picture um, Taiwan Walker is. Like I, I, like I said, I really like him as a, as a person. He seems great. I've never been that you know interested in him as a pitcher. I just I, I don't see the standout thing, you know. So if he gives them 150 league average innings, that's fine. But if he can't stay healthy, which he hasn't, or succeed, which he sometimes hasn't either, then I, I think that's a problem. So for me, that's the big thing. Is like how much emphasis and weight can you put on on Walker there, staying whole and productive all season. Yeah, I I still would have had the Braves. I mean, I've been picking the Braves to win this division since whatever, November 1, (laughs) since whatever the season ended. And even after the Lindor trade, you know, even that day with Carrasco in the rotation and healthy at that point, I was still going Braves. I, I, you mentioned the outfield defense, Matt, when you were talking about it before and all of these things just kind of come to a head for me. And Matt, you know, did you answer your own question? Um, I mean, I think I, I, it's, you know, as, as yeah, I, th- I still think I probably would have given the, the Braves a slight edge. And as, this is someone who comes, you know, always comes at these from a sort of a, or tries to from an, an, an analytical background, looking at numbers and not trying to get too, like, into, you know, too deep into soft factors. But I think that, like, if you, you know, I'm sure if you went to mo- most clubhouses in the National League and were like, Braves or Mets, most of the players would say, like, Braves, like, Mets have to prove it to me, you know? Yeah. And, like, to a certain point, yeah. it's like, there's something, there's there's kind of something to that. Like, even on paper, even if you think they've got a stronger team, like, at some point, they they have to prove it. And, like, that the the narrative of that race this year is going to be fun for that reason, especially because there's, like, new owner in New York, Lindor, so they have that kind of, like, um, you know, franchise star kind of player. So, it, uh, it should be, that, that should be the most, um, I think, will be the most, fun division, division race in my mind. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, they're actually all going to be fun in their own ways, right? Like Dodgers Padres could be historically great. The central is going to be kind of a mess, but like a tight mess. And then, you know, the East, uh, like we said, Mets and Braves. So um, I just find the National League so endlessly fascinating this year, maybe a little more than I do the American League. Hey, that was a fun show, guys. Thank you to Sarah Langs for hanging out with us and making some National League predictions. Matt and I will be back early next week for one more show for opening day, which, can you believe it, is just a week away. I'm very excited. I know Matt and Sarah are too. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Conventions Podcast. See you next week. Ballpark Conventions.